I do think that brands are no longer really looking for like this like beautiful curated feed like they once were. I think people now are more open to just like real consistent uh, content being posted. Um, but, you know, the level of content, if you re- are looking for that like curated look, then there's certain influencers that you might want to engage. If you really want just more like real raw iPhone content, obviously there's people that kind of fit in that category too. Um, and then just like being easy to work with. I mean, I can count so many times where we've engaged an influencer. That was just a total nightmare. And you know, didn't get the, you know, stuff in on time, the photos in on time, they weren't responsive on email. And I think that it's like, we're all like running businesses and trying to get stuff done. So it's like the influencer also needs to treat it that way. And I think if you don't, you like very quickly get blacklisted and like the brands will not want to work with you again. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Whether you are a seasoned veteran of the social media space or just a spectator, I know that you have seen... Uh, hashtag sponsored or hashtag ad piece of content a time or two. And honestly, it's hard to remember a time before Instagram and influencers were a regular part of our day. But today we are talking to a gal who is at the forefront of it all. This episode, we will be pulling back the curtain on all things influencers and using social media to grow a personal brand. Today, we're hearing from Allie Grant, who launched Be Social in 2011 as one of the very first agencies executing integrated influencer outreach and collaborations. Today, the communications group is headquartered in Los Angeles, specializing in digital forward campaigns for lifestyle, wellness, and beauty brands and talent. So between Ali on the agency side and myself on the creator slash influencer side, we have so much to share about what really goes on behind the scenes of brand deals, content creation, and building a personal brand, basically utilizing social media and leveraging that for influence and income. And with Ali at the helm, be Social has been named one of Inc.'s fastest growing businesses, spearheading digital campaigns across influencers, social events, and publicity. So it is safe to say she is blazing the trail in a space that isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Allie's going to share a ton of wisdom and advice with you guys while also being super down to earth. And I can't wait for you to get in on our real and raw conversation about social media today, the whole influencer thing, my experience as someone that has, you know, built a business before on solely brand deals. Now I am a more like coach entrepreneur role, but I have been there done that. And we'll also chat about how to stay grounded in the wacky world of social media that we have at our fingertips. So enjoy. Hey, Allie, welcome to the grind and be grateful podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. 
yeah, I can't wait to get into all things influencers, social media, entrepreneurship, and personal branding. That is so my jam. But before we jump in, are you cool to do a few rapid fire questions? Ooh, yeah, fun. Let's do it. Cool. Number one, mountains or beach for a winter getaway? Beach. Okay. Number two, a favorite memory that comes to mind from 2019? Ooh, moving offices to downtown LA. Fun. I'll, by the way, your office is so aesthetic. I saw it on your Instagram and it's just like a whole vibe. <laughs> I know. It is. It's so pretty. I love it. Number three, wine, coffee, tea, or something else? Coffee, like every morning, multiple times. <laughs> okay. Favorite social media platform? Instagram. Same. But I'm like trying to figure out TikTok, but I think I'm too old. I'm just <laughs> racking my brain on how I can use TikTok to grow my business. And I'm just, it not, I'm not making any connections here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> figure it out. It's so new. I know. Number five, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Ooh, I wanted to be like a news anchor. That's amazing. All right, cool. So let's kind of jump into things. Just I want our listeners to meet you. So who is Allie Grant? What do you do? Who do you help? And what kind of led you to like the role that you play now? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm Allie. Um, I am the founder of Be Social. We are a communications group based in Los Angeles. Um, I started the company in 2012, so it's been a few years now. Um, and we have two arms of the company, one where we help influencers and talent and help them grow and monetize their platforms. Um, and then we have a brand department where we help mostly beauty and lifestyle brands with their influencer marketing. So kind of getting it in the right people's hands. Um, and I kind of jumped into this really young. I started my company at 23 as a baby. Um, I had done like a few internships. I'd worked in some social media agencies. I didn't have like a fancy background or anything, but um, it was kind of the start of influencer marketing. So I feel like the timing was really right. Um, And Mm -hmm. I still to this day love what I'm doing. And I feel like we're growing and continuing to do more and evolving with the influencer space. So it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what year did you start be social? Because I definitely was there like when influencer marketing first became a thing, but just to give us some context, like how long was that? That was like 2012. So I don't even think we were like really Mm -hmm. using the word influencer. I was mostly like saying bloggers. Um, So like blogger Mm -hmm. outreach, it was like, there wasn't a lot of stuff being done on Instagram quite yet. So we were mostly like, you know, gifting products to people who had like websites and blogs and like really highly engaged Facebook and Twitter accounts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Like I had already started my kind of like wellness Instagram back then. It was just to like document my fitness journey and there was no motivation to like make it my job ever because that wasn't a thing. Like having you know, monetizing your Instagram. It was like I could throw a Valencia filter on an apple and like get great engagement. (laughs) So (laughs) seriously, like there's a picture like that on my feed if you scroll far enough back. But um, I think that's funny. The old photos that are on Instagram. I just like recently archived all of my old stuff because I was like, this is so crazy looking. (laughs) Honestly, I should, but I have like 
like 5,600 photos. So oh it would take me so long <laughs> to like no, scroll no, no. all the way back and archive them. But each photo so that would take you a minute I know I know so yeah I don't know if anyone has that much um dedication to like scrolling that far back on my feed honestly kudos to you you deserve to see when I started from the bottom (laughs) I love that Okay, cool. So uh, before we really dive in, I thought it would be cool to get your take on the concept of the term influencer, because like you said, it is like kind of a newer term. And it's I don't know if it's like officially in the dictionary or not. But in your opinion, who is an influencer? Are they someone special? Are we all influencers? What does it mean? Yeah, and I'd like totally think everyone is an influencer. Um, even if you have 10 followers or millions of followers, like likely you're influencing, you know, the decision of the people in your circle. So, um, and that's kind of what's like interesting about what we do as an agency too, is like we work with super micro influencers to macro and we see success across all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's, you know, an influencer doesn't mean you have tons of followers. I think it's, you have a point of view, you're creating content and you're influencing someone, even if it's just one person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how do you think that influencers or social media marketing, how do you think that's changed our society and the way we make like purchasing decisions? Yeah, I mean, I think people utilize influencers to make decisions all the time now. I mean, I think people are even before going to someone, a brand's website, are going to Instagram and scrolling and looking at what people are wearing and, you know, sourcing through all the tap tags and things like that. So I think it's, you know, social media and influencers are like now like a discovery tool to discover new brands and products and what to wear, what to do with your makeup. So I think if you're a brand, influencer marketing is a, should be a very big part of your Mm -hmm. overall marketing strategy. Um, Even if it's as small as just doing gifting and seeding product, to, you know, as big as doing paid campaigns with influencers. Yeah, I don't think people realize, like, when they hear, I don't know, occasionally you'll hear, like, an influencer gets paid X amount for a campaign or whatever, and it seems like it's, like, so much money. But in reality, influencer marketing is, like, the cheapest form of marketing that has ever existed for, like, the level of effectiveness. Because to get, you know, like tons of content, high quality content with, you know, real people like to have a full commercial shoot or, you know, a whole ad campaign, like for a brand to do that on their own is crazy expensive and like a huge investment for them. So influencer marketing, I think just like revolutionize the way brands can position themselves and like raise brand awareness. Yeah, 100%. And that's what we always tell brands too. It's like so much more than, you know, are we converting sales by this person posting about our brand? Like you hit it on the head. Like you also get content. Content is super expensive to produce. Mm -hmm. Um, You get awareness, impressions, reach. On top of that, you also can get conversions and sales or whatever other KPIs you kind of have 
um, in mind, but yeah, there's, there's a lot you can get from it, but you know, you're so right. Like doing a whole production and a whole shoot can cost a lot of money. And so you're kind of getting all of this in one bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we do have, um, definitely entrepreneurs who listen to the show, but also just ambitious women who are in, um, kind of any sector of life. So for people that aren't mm-hmm. kind of clued into what, it all encompasses like what are some um, like pathways or mediums that like influencers and brand partnerships are happening? Yeah. I mean, the majority of what we're doing is mostly on Instagram. So, you know, we'll have a brand come to us, say like a L'Oreal and, you know, they're like, we have X amount of money. We're looking for an influencer with, you know, these types of demographics and reach. And then we'll kind of put some options in front of them and kind of create that partnership. And usually that entails, you know, X amount of social media posts on Instagram. So creating content for, say, like a launch of a lipstick or some sort of, you know, event that might be coming up. Um, it also might be like appearances and things like that, or maybe some integrations across YouTube. Um, kind of depends on the creator's platforms, but I would say like 90% of what we're doing right now in terms of collaborations with an influencer and a brand is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I mean, with that said, YouTube, there's tons of opportunity there and integrations on YouTube are pretty, you can charge a lot yeah. for them based on your, you know, viewership. Um, and then TikTok, we're starting to see campaigns mm-hmm. on there. So um, kind of all across the board. And sometimes, too, it's just the brand wants content. So they'll hire an influencer and just say, hey, can you give me like 10 pieces of content with this new product? You don't even have to post it, but we want to utilize that like on our social media or for ads or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I think it's so cool because it's giving like normal women at the end of the day, like they're all just normal women who, you know, have an eye for aesthetics and like love um, like curating things and love sharing their lives. But at the end of the day, it's like brands um, are ending up creating like this influencer economy instead of just funneling all that money into like big production studios or things like that. And so I think that I know that, um, you know, like brand partnerships and stuff like that can kind of be frowned upon Mm -hmm. by consumers depending on how they're done but I think it's so cool that now so many more people have the opportunity to be paid for their passion or something that's fun at least it is really cool and you know if you're an influencer listening yeah no totally I think it's you know consumers can get irritated by you like always like slinging product all the time so I think when you're actually making decisions on doing these collaborations, like make sure this is a product that like really aligns with you and is something you use organically mm-hmm. before you get paid to, you know, promote it. Because the last thing you want to do as an influencer is lose your influence. And I think when you're always throwing ads at people that don't seem organic, you're going to do just that. Right, right. Your audience kind of just like n- goes numb. Like either they will just unfollow you or they don't really trust your recommendations anymore if it seems like you'll just promote anything that gets put in front of you. And I can say I definitely turned down like 90% of the things that or or more, probably more. (laughs) But like the the vast majority is a no. Yeah, totally. I mean, the volume of like all of this happening, it's crazy. Like there's, you know, daily, you're probably getting reached out to for some sort of collaboration. It's, you know, brands are really trying to tap into this. But if it doesn't fit your audience, like, 
don't do it because then like you're losing your influence. For sure. Nothing's more valuable than like the trust of your audience and staying true to your brand and like what you truly want to represent. So um, I'm so glad that you spoke to that. So with that kind of what's going on behind the scenes, can you share people share with people um, what the process is like from um, the brand side? Like when they're looking for an influencer, they they want like demographic, they want reach, but are they looking for um, like a specific, do you have to have a specific number of followers? Do you have to have a specific style of photos? Mm-hmm. Like, do you need to have professional pictures or is it a whole range? Yeah. yeah, that's a really good question. And it's always all across the board. So usually a brand will come to us with kind of a specific thing that they're looking for. You know, they have, maybe it's a launch in a certain state or country um, maybe it's like for female or for men, like it, it kind of depends on what they're, you know, looking to achieve. Um, and then we'll typically put the influencers in front of them that we think would be a good fit. Uh, we use a software called creator IQ to hone in on the different influencers that, you know, we feel will fit for a campaign. Um, and that allows us to see engagement rates. So like, is their content working? Are people engaging with it? Does their audience care? Like you might have a million followers, but have a 0.5% engagement rate, you know, that's, not really a valuable following. So really looking, that's kind of the biggest like key indicator for the brands is looking at the Instagram, uh, the engagement rate of the influencer. Um, and then on top of that, looking at demographics. So how many females or males follow them? What's the age range of the following that this person has and where is their following located? Mm-hmm. Um, is also really important. And then just level of content, like quality of content. So, um, I do think that brands are no longer really looking for like this, like beautiful curated feed like they once were. I think people now are more open to just like real, consistent, uh, content being posted. Um, but you know, the level of content, if you are looking for that, like curated look, then there's certain influencers that you might want to engage. If you really want just more like real raw iPhone content, obviously there's people that kind of fit in that category too. Um, and then just like being easy to work with. I mean, I can count so many times where we've engaged an influencer. That was just a total nightmare. Mm. And you didn't get the, you know, stuff in on time, the photos in on time, they weren't responsive on email. And I think that it's like, we're all like running businesses and trying to get stuff done. So it's like the influencer also needs to treat it that way. And I think if you don't, you like very quickly get blacklisted and like the brands will not want to work with you again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, easy to work with, be professional, um, get things in on time because there's, you know, there's deadlines for a reason. Um, but then, and then obviously level of following too. I mean, sometimes it is just like, we need to reach 2 million people. So find someone with 2 million followers mm. or find, you know, a handful of people with, you know, 50,000 followers to get that 2 million reach. Um, but all across the board, I mean, we've, you know, because influencer marketing has taken off so much, like someone with a million followers is pretty expensive to work right. with nowadays. So, you know, we're kind of finding new ways to engage, you know, different influencers and um, that's, you know, utilizing more of the micro um, who have really high engagement. Right. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. So if someone listening does not necessarily care to, you know, 
make a living like working with brands and really fully be an influencer, do you think it's still Mm -hmm. valuable to grow a personal brand, invest time into that? Or do you think we should only be growing a personal brand if we plan on turning that into a business? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, utilizing your social media to grow a personal brand, like, will kind of, if you're really focusing and putting energy into that, it's going to turn into a business anyways. Um, you know, creating content, potentially working with brands, like, I, I think that is a business in itself. And so I don't think that you don't have to have like some, you know, cool clothing brand to want to like work on your social presence and your personal brand. I don't think you have to have some, you know, crazy successful business to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think if you enjoy creating content and like branding yourself and doing all of that, then, you know, doing that on an Instagram account is a, is a good start and you can kind of see where that goes and who knows, like maybe, because of the work you're doing there, that might lead into you becoming a business owner and doing some sort of, you know, collaboration or creating your own brand or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. I always tell people if they are, you know, I have a lot of people say like, oh, how do I grow my following? How do I work with brands? Like, how do I get paid to post about stuff? And I'm like, honestly, you you are asking the wrong questions. And it should be more based on like, how can I give value? How can I connect with people? How can I, um, you know, create better content? Because at the end of the day, like it was, I mean, obviously, this was when influencer marketing was more in baby stages. But for me, like I was creating content for probably three years consistently before brands started noticing me and like actually offering to compensate me. And mm-hmm. it can take that long. People do blow up overnight, of course, but like it's not something where you can start it and then the next day have brands knocking down your door. Like you have to do it because you love being creative and you love connecting with people and you love sharing your life and like curating things. A hundred percent. And I think, I mean, I get that all the time, whether that's someone who's just starting out and trying to grow a following or even people with millions of followers who want to monetize their channels and haven't yet. And they're like, well, I have all these followers. Like, why don't brands want to work with me? It's like, well, you're not creating content that a brand can integrate with or, you know, your engagement rate Mm -hmm. is horrible or whatever it might be. But I think you have to think through, like, from the brand's perspective, like, why would they want to work with you? There's, like, thousands of influencers to choose from. Like, you need Mm -hmm. to either create organic content around them to start to get their attention um, and like work towards that. So I think, yeah, it's, if you're just like, I want to make money. So that's why I want to be like this influencer. I think that's the wrong reason to do it because it, it is a lot of work. You have to like love creating content and styling photos and creating, you know, creative captions and putting up content frequently and engaging with your followers. Like it's a lot. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I I don't think I could do it personally. And that's why I don't do it. But, um, (laughs) You know, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's like, right. you know, it's just like new business. And so you have to really love doing it or you're not going to be successful with it. And I think if you go in with the mindset of, I just want to make money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially because like the hours are, are regular and like you're on your phone so much and it really does kind of 
like tap into all parts of your life, right? Because if you're creating content at like your birthday party or something like that, like you you are always looking for ways to get content. And so for me, like when working with brands used to be um, like the primary source of my income, now it's more so like coaching and um, working like with actual clients. But brand partnerships were most of my income at one point and creating just creating content is like a full-time job and more because I was creating content Mm -hmm. for YouTube, for Instagram, for like I was on Snapchat and Twitter and you were trying to be like visible and consistent and engaged and on multiple different platforms every day. And it's just like you're juggling a lot and you also have to have a lot of skills just within you because most content creators until they reach a certain level are like, you know, one woman show. Mm -hmm. So shifting gears from kind of the like behind the scenes or like reality of influencer life, can you talk to us a little bit more about like your first taste of entrepreneurship? And um, like, did you think that you always would go out on a limb and create your own thing? Um, Or did you was it a surprise that you ended up where you are? I had always been like really ambitious and wanted to start my own thing. Um, my parents had always like dabbled in entrepreneurship, you know, they were successful in business. And so that was really appealing to me. Um, so I had always thought that that would probably be a route that I would go. Um, I just didn't know at what time. And I obviously did it a lot sooner than I thought I would have. Um, But, you know, starting the company at 23, people were pretty shocked because I didn't have a lot of professional experience. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just pretty young to go out and do your own thing. I didn't have any capital. I literally had to, like, sell some of my, like, clothes and shoes and things to be able to afford to launch my website, which was, like, my first, you know, thing I had to pay for to try and get new clients and stuff. Um, really like bootstrapped it. Um, a lot of decisions were made, you know, based on like how much cash I had at the time. So that was pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, but luckily it like grew very organically and, you know, one thing led to another and I was able to hire my first employee, get my new office and, um, you know, things just kind of rolled from there. But, entrepreneurship is no joke. It's really, really difficult. I didn't really think through all the intricacies and things that I would have to be an expert in that I literally had no idea. I mean, that's from, you know, employment law to payroll to, you know, taxes and invoicing and operations and things that I have no formal degree in and frankly, no interest in. (laughs) So um, it was kind of a rude awakening. I think the hardest part of it for me was, you know, the learning to manage employees and grow and mentor staff. Um, that's still a challenge for me today. Like luckily we have people on our team now that can, that do a good job at that and are able to do that um, where I'm able to focus on the things that I enjoy. But that was, that was pretty hard in the beginning. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like, people who start businesses, you start a business around like one specific skill that you really love or one specific type of person that you really want to help. Um, but as your business grows, you have to wear so many different hats and like understand the legal yep. side of things and understand how to like keep your books up to date and how to like 
do you need to be an LLC or an S corp or like all of these different aspects? And not only do you now have to be a master of whatever skill you're bringing to market, but you also need to master like a bunch of different elements, like even graphic design and, you know, um, like software and everything. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. And it's like, you don't like I, you know, you don't even learn how to like write a check in college or school. Like, <laughs> I had to like download yeah. QuickBooks and learn how to invoice and, you know, pay taxes and, you know, have employment agreements. It's, there's just so much. Like, my advice to you, I at the time, like, luckily my uncle was an accountant, so he could help me set up some of that stuff. Um, and I had a family friend that was an attorney. Mm-hmm. Like, really utilize resources like that if you have them. And if you don't, like there's online, you know, resources for that, but be smart with the formation of your company, contracts and agreements there, agreements with clients, agreements with employees. Like there's so much that can go wrong with a business and there's so much liability that you take on owning a business, especially in California. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just do your homework. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to lose. Yeah. Obviously way more to gain, but definitely look into all of that first. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely a fan of like taking messy action and like not waiting for something to be perfect, but there are certain things where you want to make sure that you're like protected and organized because like one year, for example, I had not done anything to like get ready for taxes. And then I realized I had like a week to file my taxes and I had to literally learn how to do taxes and like find everything that I needed to find and submit them and try to figure out what deductions to make and stuff. And this was like, also I was full-time college student, mm-hmm. like trying to figure this yeah. out. <laughs> so that's just an example of like, I kind of just started taking clients and like having a business without realizing like what's involved. Yeah. <laughs> so I think take messy action, but take like educated messy action. Yes. And I think that's like what happens yeah. a lot is like people kind of fall into it and it all happens really quickly. And so there's not right. a lot of time to like do your research and figure it out. And I feel like that's kind of my one regret is I wish I had like put all those pieces in place before I had kind of gone after it. But I guess I see that hindsight. Right. I feel like things were moving so quickly at the time that it wasn't really a possibility. Right. And of course, it is like more effort to kind of like take everything apart and put it back together. But at the same time, like you can't, you can't always have control and like, you don't realize how important it is until it's like messed up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So one thing that like we can definitely agree on is taking educated action, not just like messy action is definitely a good call. But mm-hmm. um, there are some other things that like really hold women back from taking the plunge and starting a business. And one of them is like, oh, but it's so saturated. And this is like starting, mm-hmm. you know, a Instagram and like trying to grow following and stuff like that. Like, oh, it's so saturated is such a thing that I hear all the time. Do you think it's too late to get in on the action um, or to like start a personal brand? No, not at all. And I always say this all the time. Like, yes, it's saturated. Yes, there's tons of people doing this, but that's just like any industry and any career. And you just have to kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, have your own point of view, do something different and unique um, and work really hard at it and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, I don't think that, I think there's room right. for 
for everyone. I think there's definitely, especially if you're, you know, don't try and be like everyone else that's out there. If you're doing something truly unique and different, people will take notice. Um, you know, and some of like my favorite creators are people who just started recently in 2019. So, and especially with like how the landscape changes Mm -hmm. in terms of new platforms, like a TikTok, and, you know, there's people that have amassed these like 40 million followings that just started doing this like a month or two ago, you know? So yeah. Yeah. TikTok is crazy for like viral growth. Yes. No, definitely. I think there's room for anyone to get started in anything, no matter your age or anything, I think go for it if you have an idea and you're willing to work really hard at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like, yes, it is saturated, but only if you're going to do the same thing as everyone else. But like, Mm -hmm. if you can disrupt like what's currently happening, then there's, there's room for you and there's room for people that are going to innovate. Yes, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and another thing that I always remind people of is like, there will, there have never been more people doing what you want to do, but there will never be less than there are today. You know what I mean? Like, there will never be fewer influencers than there are today because I think it's only going to keep growing. So if like that's your concern, then jump in now. (laughs) Like, don't wait. That's so true. That's such a good point. Like, if you wait a month, there's that many more people doing it. Right, right. So you might as well jump in now. Yes. I love that piece of advice. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. So I think all of us, like young adults in general, not just entrepreneurs, we've all faced lots of forks in the road when it comes to like work, career choices, and kind of all of the possibilities. Because let's be real, there have never been more opportunities to like create the life that we want. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that you're an advocate for kind of like taking a beat slowing down and like knowing what to say no to. So can you talk to us a little bit more about like shiny object syndrome and just having like being um, ruthlessly kind of focused on what you want? Yeah, that's like such a good topic because I wish I had like listened to something like this or read something about this because in the beginning of starting a business, you're like a total yes man. Like you want to say yes to yeah. everything and everything seems yeah. really exciting. And like you said, shiny. Um, but I think that was one of the hu- biggest challenges I had. I would say yes to almost everything that came through my doors, even if the money wasn't there, the work was like too crazy. And it ended up, you know, I got burnt out. My employees got burnt out Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a long-term solution. So, I mean, luckily like we're in a place now where we can say no to things when the budgets aren't there or the workload doesn't make sense. In the beginning, it is a lot more difficult because you're, you don't have as much income coming through. And so you want to say yes to everything, but I think saying no at the right time will allow doors to open for better opportunities. And I couldn't Mm. see that at the time. Like I just was like, I have to say yes now because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I think if I remove that mindset, I would have been more successful in the long term. So yeah, I think learning to say no as an entrepreneur is like a hard one, but a really good lesson and like protecting and valuing your time and your worth um, is also really important. You know, the amount of times people will say, hey, can I, um, you know, take you to coffee and get your point of view on influencer marketing for this? Can and, I pick your brain? Yeah. Well, this is what I do for a 
living. So if you want to pay my company <laughs> to yeah. give you advice, let's do that. So, you know, just make right. sure people aren't taking advantage of you. Learn to say no. And it's hard, but I think it, it does like allow you to take on bigger opportunities in the future. Mm-hmm, for sure. And like a no for something that isn't aligned is like a yes for something better that is like you have to say no, though, to create space for that yes to come in. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. So with kind of that boundaries, being able to say no, what does that look like for you in terms of still having um, a life outside of work? Like, does that exist for you? What has that road been like? Do you have any advice? Mm hmm. Yeah. So this is something I've learned, honestly, like the past six months, I think I have allowed myself so much more like work-life balance than I've ever had before. I think there's a few factors, like we hired a president and our team is, you know, more robust now. So less of the the day-to-day is on my shoulders. But in the beginning of my business, I was like a workhorse. I was working around the clock. I really let my personal life suffer. And I feel like I'm feeling the brunt of that now. And I really regret that. I think if you know, you're know you like overworking yourself, you're going to get burnt out. And then you can't put your best foot forward and everything is going to suffer, personal and work. So I really you know value my, the balance that I've created over the ca- past couple of months. And I mean, it's taken me like seven, eight years to do this. So I'm not the best at it. But, you know, might be, you know, turning your computer off earlier, or, you know, putting your phone on vibrate, not looking at Instagram, making sure you get a workout in during the day, um, whatever that might be. And for some people, like balance means something else. Like, I actually feel like I do get some balance by getting things done and feeling um, accomplished in that sense. So that might be like, sure. I'm going to work for another hour because I know if I get this finished, I'm going to feel more balanced in my mind. Um, so right. like a relative, you know, term. And for other people, it might be like, I can only work five hours a day and that's it. And that's what keeps my mind balanced. Um, so I guess it's different for everyone, but I think you have to take care of yourself to be able to run a business, have employees and do good work. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much of it is like, it is boundaries, it is priorities, but it's also taking care of your headspace and like knowing what you need to feel like at peace and feel balanced. And for some people that is like making sure that you got, you know, the minimum work done for the day, or it's about meditating or doing whatever. So do you have any experience with, um, you said you had experienced like burnout and stuff, but what did that kind of manifest as for you? Like, were you experiencing anxiety? Were you experiencing mm-hmm. just like overwhelm? What did that feel like for you? Yeah. Um, the burnout to me was, yeah, I mean, pretty anxious about things. Um, I also think just kind of like not feeling like excited on my day to day when I used to be Mm. like so passionate and so excited, I was finding myself, you know, coming in and feeling like, ugh, like I have to do this today. And yeah, you just like have to get through it instead of wanting to show up. Yeah. And that wasn't like a feeling I wanted. Like I had created my business because I was so passionate about it and I loved what I was doing and I felt like I was really good at it and I was being successful in it. And so 
that was like a weird feeling for me. So I knew I was like, okay, I'm really burnt out here and I need to take a few steps back and like recharge and then kind of come back in. And I did that. And I, I now I'm like excited to go to work. I'm excited to, you know, do the day to day again. So it's kind of like listening to what that might look like. And that could be, you know, anxiety, it could be, you know, depression, it could be a lot of different things. But I mean, work is like so much of your Mm -hmm. life, like more of your life is spent working than at work than like at home with your family. So um, I think really making sure there's some sort of balance there's important or you, you know, you'll feel the effects of that negatively. Mm hmm. For sure. And just protecting your energy, protecting your priorities. For me, like I can always tell if I'm kind of nearing that like burnout feeling if my creative energy is drained. Like if I can't think of anything Mm -hmm. to post or talk about or create about, that's how I know that like my brain is just so tired and that my energy is drained if I don't feel like excited to make something new. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I think I was certainly feeling that too when I was burnt out and it's normal too to have that kind of season of burnout and, you know, but like listen to that and then recharge yourself and get back to it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think once you, once you do that, you'll, you'll feel refreshed again. And it, I honestly felt like it was like the beginning again, you know, of the company. And so me taking Mm -hmm. that step back for a little bit and then coming back in was, was good for me. Yeah, for sure. So to kind of like keep your energy and your health and your motivation and creativity at a good level day to day, what are kind of your non-negotiables, whether that's like wellness, Mm -hmm. like mental health, anything like that? Yeah, I think for me, like sleep is everything. Like I have yeah. to get a good night's sleep. So um, I definitely come to the office a little bit later because I like to sleep in a little bit. I'm not a morning person. I'm more of a night owl. Um, mm-hmm. So that to me is really important. Working out is so important. Like not even just to like look and feel good. Like it's not necessarily about that. It's more so like a mental thing for me. Like I know if I hop on the treadmill, like – afterwards, I'm going to feel so good. Um, so it kind of gives me the energy to, um, conquer the day really. Um, I think also just like eating healthy and clean, good food is, you know, important to me as well. Um, and then trying to turn off my phone in some capacity, although I'm really horrible with, (laughs) with that. Um, but that is Mm -hmm. something I want to think about because I, definitely catch myself like scrolling through Instagram or whatever when I'm like, you know, sitting with someone who is important to me in person, (laughs) you know, I guess like being more influential in person is kind of my goal for this year too. Yeah, I feel that for sure. And I think this conversation has been so helpful as far as um, just having perspective on like what's important, Mm -hmm. um, what to prioritize and like what is possible when you can keep those things in mind. Um, But before we wrap up, I wanted to kind of leave our listeners with a quick win. If they're interested in growing a following having more influence, what are like three things that you see like the best influencers, whatever that means to you, what are like three things that kind of make them stand apart and make them successful? Yeah, I would say um, having 
you know, an interesting point of view and like content that they're creating, um, whatever, whatever that might be and kind of being an expert in that. So maybe it's like beauty content or fitness or feel good content, um, and making that like really seen throughout everything they're producing. Um, I think Mm -hmm. consistency is really important. So like for me, someone I like to follow, like I know that they'll have stories up daily or they'll do an IGTV weekly. That's really interesting. Um, and they're posting to their feed every day and they're engaging with their audience. Um, I think that's like super important because it's like, if I follow someone, I'm like, Oh, I like their shoes. They didn't tag them. You know, I want to be able to comment and ask where those shoes are from and get a response. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's super important. Um, And I think just like, you know, someone that like, it seems really genuine. (laughs) I think I there's so much content and fluff out there that I'm seeing that's just like, ugh, it's kind of cringe, right? Like, I'm like, this feels so fake and forced. Mm -hmm. Like, I just like, Mm -hmm. you know, someone look and be authentic and genuine with what they're what they're doing. And posting about online, whether it is or isn't, (laughs) at least maybe it seems that way. Right. Right. Yeah. And going back to our conversation about um, like the space being saturated, like no one else is you if you're being authentic, like you're only going to blend in with everyone else if you're like trying to be like everyone else. So the most successful people are the ones that are like unapologetically them. Yes, I love that. It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up, because this is a Grind and Be Grateful podcast, we ask everyone, what is one thing that you're currently grinding toward and working really hard for? And what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? Yeah, so mine kind of relate. Um, Definitely grinding to grow and scale the company. Like I would love to double our staff, double our client size. So that's what I'm grinding towards. And then I guess what I'm grateful for is all the employees and staff that work for me now and all the great work that they're doing. Um, they're all rock stars. So <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm sure it's such a good feeling to look back, like how far you've come, how big of a company and successful of a company you have built from, you know, that first day when like your website went live and you just wanted to get your first client and now you're here. And I think that's just got to be one of the most rewarding feelings ever. Yeah, no, it really is. But I still like definitely have imposter syndrome and definitely feel like I have a lot more to conquer, (laughs) but I feel like that's normal. And that's of course. So normal. So normal. Awesome. Well, I'm sure our listeners now want more Allie, more Be Social. So where can they find you? Where can they find your company? Um, Pimp yourself Um, out. I'm on Instagram. It's just at Allie Grant. And then we are at Be Social Group um, for Be Social Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Go send Allie some love. Be sure to follow Be Social um, if you want to get in on the influencer side of things. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Thank you guys so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm so happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it. And please leave the show or view on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. It would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women to become their very best selves and create more content that you're going to love. 
Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind and be grateful, my friends.